Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Welcome back. We're in a series called Love Out Loud. And in this series, we're looking at what Scripture tells us about how we are to relate to and care for each other in the church, which is the family of God. Our specific focus is on those texts in Scripture that are commonly referred to as the one another passages. We kicked off this series by looking at the one another that sums up all other one another passages. That's the command to love one another. Every other one another, encourage one another, be members of one another, accept one another, admonish one another are simply expressions of love, including the one that we're going to talk about today. I want you to open up your Bibles to James chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 16. James said, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. All right, what's your initial response? Yeah, me too. My initial response is, uh, thanks, but no thanks, James. Uh, That sounds like an awful and terrifying idea to me. Sure, I'm fine confessing that I ate too much junk food or that I laughed at an inappropriate joke, as some comedian told, But the thought of you finding out about some of that stuff that's rolling around in my head, decisions maybe that I have made, things that I've said and done makes me break out in a cold sweat. Do any of you feel the same way? Listen, if it's okay with you, I'm more than fine with us sticking to that unspoken agreement that we have, that we've arrived at in the family of God, where we just all pretend to have it all together. I'm totally good with that. You guys good with that? There's only one problem. The Holy Spirit, who inspired James to pen these words, is not good with that. The Holy Spirit expects the family of God to be a confessional community. If you're like me, there's a big part of you that's ready to fold your arms and say, I'm not doing it, so just move it along. Now, obviously, that's a choice that you can make, but please know that confessing to one another is not a suggestion. It's actually an expectation. James is not offering helpful advice. He's giving us one of those, thus saith the Lord statements. This is a command. And it's not a do it once command. And what he writes is actually confess to one another and continue confessing to one another. It's supposed to be a regular part of our lives, kind of like taking a shower or brushing your teeth. You may go a few days without doing one of those things, but you don't want to go Too many days, right? That's just not really a wise choice. Also, nobody wants to be around you. And it's not wise to go long periods hiding your sin struggles from others either. Now, you might be thinking, aren't you kind of overstating this? Why do I need to confess to others? Isn't confessing to God good enough? That's a good question. Confessing to God is definitely priority number one. After all, every time we sin, even if it's against someone else, it's ultimately... Well, it's against God. David sinned against Bathsheba by using her for his own personal pleasure and then against her husband Uriah by taking his wife and then his life. But David knew his sin was first and foremost against God. In Psalm chapter 51, 
he wrote, verse 4, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You see, God deserves our confession. And it is God who offers forgiveness. I don't forgive sin. You don't forgive sin. The person you sinned against doesn't forgive sin. They may forgive you for the hurt you caused, but they can't forgive you of sin. It is God alone who gave his son to be our offering, who forgives our sin. That's the point in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. You see, not only does God forgive sin, he's also very eager to do so. One of my favorite passages, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I just love that verse. God will forgive and purify us from all unrighteousness. He isn't stingy with his forgiveness, nor does he make us jump through a bunch of hoops to somehow secure, get a hold of his forgiveness. He eagerly, generously, and graciously forgives. The last thing I want is for anyone who's a follower of Christ to, to walk out of here questioning their own salvation because they haven't yet worked up the courage to share their sin struggles with others. But we still need to confess to one another. Why? I want you to think about it. First, confession is key to overcoming habitual sin. How many of us struggle with a specific sin, even though on numerous occasions, maybe we've confessed it to God and promised ourselves that we were done with that behavior? Now, if I ask for a show of hands, if that describes you, I'm not sure that I'd get many takers, which just tells me that there's a struggle with habitual lying. It's real. No, seriously, there are sinful attitudes, thoughts, behaviors in each of our lives that are hard to shake, right? And one of the reasons many of us can't seem to shake certain sins is because we want to rationalize them. I'm not trying to gospel about Sally, we say, whenever I tell you what she shared with me in confidence. I'm just sharing because I want you to be praying for her. We want to justify. I know that I shouldn't lose my temper, but he makes me so mad. We want to downplay. Sure, I may tell an inappropriate joke from time to time, but it's nothing compared to what I heard growing up. See, this is one of the reasons confession is so important, because the word confession in the original language literally means to say the same thing. You see, it means to agree with someone or something. In other words, when I truly confess, when I confess to God, I'm just stating that I agree with God. I agree with God that my attitude or my thoughts or my behavior is evil or sinful and, and that God is right. So why is it important to confess to others? Because the person we confess to is in a position to help us be honest with ourselves about whether or not we're taking ownership of our sin and still trying to explain it away in, in some kind of way. We'll not have sustained victory until we're honest about our sin, until we get real about it. Confession also brings sin into the light. My encouragement to you would be to not wait to confess your sin until you have sinned, but instead confess the moment the impulse to sin hits your heart. I believe that it's what James is calling us to in this text. You see, in chapter one of this letter, James tells us all about how sin grows in our life. Go back to James chapter one. Let's look at verse 13. James said, when tempted, no one should say, hey, God is tempting me. 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. See, the goal is to nip sin in the bud way before it's full grown, right? It better be, because death is a bad place to be. I don't care if you're talking about death of a career, death of a marriage, death of your reputation, death of your joy, whatever. The best way to kill sin is just throw light on it the minute you experience temptation. All right, how do we do this? By confessing the temptation to God and at least one other person. And I like how Paul said it in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Paul said, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what, is the, what the disobedient do in secret, but everything is exposed by the light and it becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Some of the best lights for Jesus Christ that I've ever known are people who are recovering addicts. These people share powerful stories of how the love and the grace of God has set them free from things like alcohol, drugs, sex, so many things. Every one of these folks will tell you that to get clean and stay sober, they had to stop hiding and start sharing. Regardless of what you sin, what's your sin struggle is, I don't care if you're talking about drugs, greed, lust, critical spirit, whatever, the same is going to hold true for you and me. See, Satan is going to do his best to convince you to keep quiet about the sin that you struggle with the most because he doesn't want you to become a light for Christ. And I want you to hear me clearly on this. He wants you living in the shadows, paralyzed by your guilt and shame and in a constant battle with that secret sin. So he'll just tell you that if people find out about the real you, they won't like you or that the consequences that you're going to have to pay for your sin are going to be way too high to risk sharing. Sure, there might be consequences to pay and people might be upset with you. I don't know. But my question is, do you want to live in victory or defeat? Freedom or fear? Do you want to be a force for God or just a bench warmer? By confessing to others, we are simply enlisting help. You may not think you need help, but if the sin is habitual, you obviously do. When we confess to others, they are then in a position to help us by regularly asking how things are going. They can offer positive encouragement to keep fighting, and they can pray for us. That right there, prayer, is perhaps the most important thing that we can do for others who share their struggles with us. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's key. Healing is one of the things we need most when there's been unconfessed sin in our life because the weight of sin takes an emotional, physical, and spiritual toll. You just ask King David about that. In fact, he wrote over in Psalm 38, verse 3. This is what he said. He's pouring out his heart to God. He said, because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. We 
need prayer. And we need prayer from those who take their sin seriously. Back in James chapter five, the last part of that verse, it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Too many people want to try to do this Christian life on their own. Listen, we are not created to do life on our own. We were created for community. We need each other. You see, confession is a key to experiencing God's grace because through it, we affirm God's forgiveness and points us back to Jesus Christ. I believe this is one of the reasons James calls us to confess to one another. Why? So that we might experience God's love, his grace, and his care, and not just intellectually. Of course, for God's grace to be poured out through us, we have to respond to the confession of others in the right way. We should never excuse or downplay a person's sin struggle, but we can respond to sin just like Jesus did. You're asking, how did Jesus respond to sin? I want you, I want you to listen to these few words that Jesus spoke to a group of men who were ready to execute a woman for committing adultery. This is a, in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Verse seven, Jesus said, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and he rode on the ground. At this, those who heard him, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left with a woman still standing there. And then Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So how did Jesus respond? Jesus chose to love rather than condemn. You see, he offered care and protection and called the woman to live differently. Please hear me on this. Love is first accepting and caring for a person fully, but to not challenge a person to leave their life of sin is incredibly unloving. In fact, I'd go so far as to call it hateful. All right, finally, confession is key to a more authentic relationship. What changes if you practice this, this one another uh, passage together? What changes is after you confess, they know the real you and not just one side of you both good and bad. And we don't have to pretend anymore. You can just be you. Your willingness to open up about what's really going on in your life will help set the stage for others to talk about what's really going on in their life, both good and bad. And one of the benefits of microchurches is the environment of being real with, with each other. Wouldn't you agree? Not merely so we just feel better, but so that we're living every day in a way that glorifies God. Confession has the power to deepen relationships, but also repair relationships. You see, when we confess to those who have been hurt by our sin, we're taking an important and necessary step to try to mend that relationship. By confessing, we show the other person that we are willing to own our own sin and are truly sorry for the pain that we've caused. That is if we confess in the right way. So, What's the right way? Well, there's no excuses. 
You take full responsibility. There's no guarantee that the person will forgive or want to remain in that relationship, but the odds of reconciliation are much greater if you confess rather than just try to sweep that failure under the rug. Wouldn't you agree? The reality is this. There are a lot of reasons we tell ourselves for not confessing to one another, or to say it another way, for not obeying this one another passage. First, there's that tendency to downplay our own sin and minimize its impact on others and our own life. And as a result, we just don't confess. Well, my sin's not that big a deal, we say. I don't need to tell people about small stuff type of sin. This is just for major sins, right? Nope. This is for all sin. Why? Because when we fail to confess, we continue to allow the enemy to get a foothold. And then there's also the tendency not to confess because you're worried about how the other person might view you. You don't want them to think less of you. When the reality is, they will probably think more of you because of your humility and strength to share the authentic you, who you really are. And then, of course, there are some who will not confess because they did it once and it didn't go well. Maybe the person responded poorly or they even broke your confidence. Therefore, you've told yourself, I'll never do that again. And I get it. I'm sorry that person did that and that that happened. I also know that hurt and pain. I do. But the call still remains for us to confess to one another. I think in the end, obedience to Christ is the way to go. So as we wrap this up, let me answer a few questions that you might be asking yourself. And if you're not asking these questions, I think you should. When should I confess? As soon as possible. Don't wait around till you feel like it because that's probably not going to happen. So who should I confess to? Someone who is spiritually mature and cares about you. Now, be wise in who you choose to confess to. Now, when you confess, the temptation will be to confess to whoever will tell you that your sins is really no big deal. Often, whenever we're looking for people to affirm our sin, we're looking for those people to affirm our sin versus people who are going to help us move out of sin. We might seek out people who are simply going to say, oh, that's okay. We all do that. That might feel good, but it does no good. We need to confess to people who love us enough to help us fight to overcome our sin. And how should I confess? What's the best way to get into the, a cold swimming pool? You jump in, right? The same goes with confession. Confess your sin fully rather than little tidbits at a time. Be very specific. None of this, I'm really struggling with sin kind of stuff. Name the sin. I'm struggling with gluttony. Give an example of how that sin is messing up your life. One of my friends jokingly told me, I can't pass a McDonald's without ordering a Big Mac and large fries. I inhale it before I get home. And when my wife questions me about ketchup stains on my shirt, I tell her it's lipstick because he said, I'd rather her think I'm having an affair than tell her the truth about the way that I'm clogging up my arteries. Now, obviously he was joking, but the point is this. Be specific in your confession. When you confess, let the other person know what you're doing. I'm wanting to follow James chapter 5, verse 16. You can, you can tell them and confess my sin to one another. Uh, I'm coming to you to do that today. And this is going to allow the other person to respond better if they know 
what you are doing versus just sort of dropping news of your sin without any warning on them. Listen, you got this. You can do this. Okay, can anyone guess what the challenge might be for this week? <laughs> you got it. Find somebody, tell someone about a sinful attitude or thought or behavior that you're struggling with and be willing to listen to others. Now, Satan's going to try to fill you with shame whenever you do this, but it's an act of obedience. And God's great pleasure and blessing rests on those who choose obedience. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those who are listening, but I pray for even myself. Father, will you help us to be people who understand the power and importance of listening to one another, confess our sins, and of also confessing our sins to one another? Will you help us to be men and women who understand the power of prayer, the importance of bringing all of this to you? I pray, Father, that your church, your people will be strengthened because we practice this one another passage. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.